the mist that exists right now in my hand is a spray bottle. If you're listening on the podcast and you can't see what's happening, uh, we're in the book of James. And so we are studying through this very short letter, but we're taking our time because there are some dense passages that are in here. Um, not that there isn't in other parts of scripture, but this is just, James is heavy and we're glad that you're journeying with us. Um, this last year of pandemic, is wild. We're coming up on a full year right now. Um, it's crazy to think. Uh, I was just coming back from Haiti and two days later we went on full lockdown. And I don't know if you can remember what it was like that first week of lockdown, even the first couple of days when we were told we're locking down, stay in your home, don't touch anything, sanitize everything, keep distance and Oh, we just thought, well, it's probably going to be like a couple weeks and then we'll go back to normal, right? What was your thought? What was your initial thought in that first week, what it's going to be like? We would have never pictured being here a year later, finally starting to open back up. Now that there's uh, vaccines available everywhere, um, I think it's in the next week or so, depending on when you're listening to this or watching this, um, the vaccine will be available for all people. And um, a lot of people that I know have already gotten COVID-19 and so it's just it's starting to become less and less of an issue and we're starting to open back up schools are starting to open but it's crazy that it's been a whole year and all the things that we've journeyed through the challenges we've faced uh, I'm sure many of you have faced challenges in your relationships um, in finances in your job the shift that went from being in offices to working from home all these different things the last year has been wild and now we're here What I learned in that process of that year is that nothing was going to be long-term. Initially, my mindset, because of how I've lived my life for almost 40 years, up until that point, was you plan, you can do whatever you want, we have freedoms, you can go where you want, when you want, and then it was all locked down. And what I learned was that we need to live day by day. And that was kind of the process that many of us went through of like, what's it going to be like now? I think after the first couple of weeks, we started to learn that it was like, we need to take life day by day. We don't know what we can plan for, what it's going to be like in a year from now. It was all starting to shift. And so for that little nuanced concept, I believe it was powerful to begin to learn that lesson and, and have it shape my life in a way that helped me understand that no one is promised tomorrow we are given today. So we're going to be in James chapter 4 verses 13 to 17 and he talks about this concept. So here we go. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist if you're listening on the podcast, I'm spraying the mist bottle. You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. So then, if you know the good you ought to do and don't do it, you sin. 
So today we come into Palm Sunday. If you're watching or listening on another date, I apologize, but this is the Sunday before Easter Sunday, which leads us into Passion Week. And, uh, and so Palm Sunday is a day that we celebrate where Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, and, um, and which is known as the Triumphal Entry. And uh, so this is days before the Last Supper that he has with his disciples. Um, and it's marking the beginning of this Passion Week where he goes into uh, the journey towards the cross. And then ultimately three days later, which we celebrate on Easter, is the resurrection. And so Jesus rides into Jerusalem being uh, the capital of his kingship, essentially, um, where he's proclaiming to be king of the kingdom that's bigger than just the buildings in that location, but it's representative of God's kingdom, which is everywhere, and, uh, and rides in on a donkey. The significance of that is that Jesus rides in with humility. He rides in in a way that is contrary or even contrast to what a typical king would ride in on would be a trusty steed, a stallion, a giant horse with power and strength and with armies that would come in with pride and arrogance and a, and a, um, a certain posture that says that they're in charge and they're going to do things a certain way with power and strength. Whereas Jesus comes in and models a different kind of strength, a different kind of power, a power that is harnessed through humility, that shows mercy, that represents love to the community, that calls his disciples to do the same thing, that Jesus didn't do anything that he didn't call us as well to do. So he wasn't above any kind of his teaching or rules, that he was like, I'm gonna come in on a donkey with humility in a way that any of you would ride in. And so people threw down palm branches and threw their coats over the donkey as Jesus rode in with this extreme humility. And what he's doing is he's representing a kingdom, God's kingdom, that is filled with humility. And God's kingdom that is all around us, yet isn't a physical power that comes in with pride, but represents a kingdom of humility. And what, Jesus, what James does here in this passage is he calls us back to that, that he's calling us to the same kind of approach that Jesus emulates and that Jesus teaches his disciples to do. What James is reminding us of is that there can't be a sense of pride or boasting or arrogance about our planning, that we somehow think we have things under control. But what, we, what he calls us to is a humility, a humility that says, I'm gonna live in the here and the now. And he, he asks this question in the middle of this, these few lines and says, what is your life? What is your life? And he says, it's but a vapor. And if you're listening on the podcast, I have a spray bottle that's making vapor, spraying some water in the air, creating mist. And you see the mist fall to the ground slowly as it's gone. So temporary. And that's what James calls us back to, is recognizing the kingdom that we live in, who's in charge, who has the power, who has the strength, and that we're to be disciples that Jesus called who submit under his kingdom rather than coming in pridefully and boastfully and saying, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to you know, do for the kingdom of God in some way, right? Like it's God working through us in the same way that Jesus had that sense of uh, 
patience, that sense of humility in everything that he did that was so desired by people around him that as I read scripture, I desire as well. And so to put this all in perspective, this passage that we're reading about how temporary things are, um, I want to share a conversation that I had recently that's been really shaping my understanding of how God works and what he calls us, invites us into. So um, I had a conversation with this guy named Jordan. And if you want to look him up, he has an Instagram account called Humanity Showers. It's local here in Oceanside, uh, North County. And it's a mobile shower unit that has, I think, six units in it where they pull up into church parking lots or different uh, organizations and, and allow homeless in the area to, uh, to get a shower, to um, have an opportunity to freshen up, to clean up, and maybe if it's for a job interview or to get fresh clothes, um, or just even just to be encouraged to know that they're loved, that they're cared for. And, um, and so what Jordan's doing is an amazing thing. And so I got to have this conversation about uh, what he's doing and, and what he's learning in that process. And, and I actually, when I looked at his Instagram account, I saw, because what he does is he takes pictures like uh, awesome portraits of everybody that comes through the, their program. And, um, and I saw a student that was in my youth ministry 15 years ago. I'm not going to say his name, but some of you who know me, if you want to reach out and chat with me, I'd love to talk about it. But um, saw this student in one of the, uh, the photos and, and I got to talk with Jordan about it, but he was saying that that student got some showers and has been part of the program and has been uh, receiving um, some, some support from that and has now gotten a job that he actually started a new job this week. And, uh, and so it's such a testimony to what can happen, but it was also interesting to see that I hadn't seen that student in 15 years. And the, the path that that student went down um, was destructive. I know that that student went through a lot of turmoil, a lot of challenges, and, um, and living on the streets and being in an environment uh, where relationships can be very broken, very destructive, and decisions uh, from day to day can be, it can be dark. And so um, seeing his life being transformed was amazing. But then I began to think big picture, uh, looking back over the years, um, how I could have had an impact on this person's life. Thinking back on how our church handled the student's life that I, I could almost see, and I think as being in youth ministry, I was in youth ministry for almost 10 years, that, um, or a little over 10 years, that uh, in that process, I could kind of start to see where students would end up that I could kind of start to predict a little bit of their trajectory based on the relationships. And maybe you've heard that phrase that you're the sum of your five closest friends or the five people that you hang out with most. And, and so I could see the trajectory of certain students. And, um, and I began to think back. And so like looking at this passage again of like, life is but a vapor that we're to live day by day and, and do the good that we're called to do. Um, I began to think back on what kind of an impact I could have had had I lived in that day-to-day -day mindset. And this is a conversation that uh, Carissa, our associate pastor, actually brought up as well this week. And I thought it was interesting how God weaves all these conversations together. Um, something I've been wrestling for a few years now, and especially since homelessness has really increased here in North County. Um, how do, we, how do you begin to make an impact on someone's life? And as I was talking to Jordan, one of the things that he said was that 
when so going back to the 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 ability to kind of foresee kind of the trajectory or the the, the kind of the path that students were going um, what he said was that a community a church community a friend group a family group can have such an impact in those early years on where a student ends up or where a person's life ends up after they graduate from high school or after they they move into the young adult years and one of the things he said is that change starts at the family unit level that when family units are safe when they are welcoming when they are loving when they are gracious people who are living as James calls here day to day um, and doing the good that they know they should do, um, that that becomes a safe place, a safe haven for others. So maybe other families who are struggling can then mesh in with these families that are safe zones. And that's what our church longs to be. As Grace and Peace, I hope that we can be cell groups, little, little family groups that are healthy, that are thriving, that then can allow others to come in and be part of that process of healthy relationship, thriving. And, and one of the things that he said is that the greatest thing is to invest in families to be safe community groups uh, so that people can thrive. And I believe that. I believe that, that it, it seems like such a small, um, uh, small impact. But what it does is if every family group in every community lived this way, imagine what our world would look like, right? And we talk about big, massive change starts at the individual level. That when you and I live this way and that when you and I invest in people's lives on a day-to-day, when we do the thing that we know that is good, that's going to ultimately transform our community. And I believe that every single one of us are a few steps from falling apart. That, And what do I mean by that? That literally, if you lost your job today and God forbid something drastic happened to a few of your family members or close friends that are your support system, that if they were taken out of the picture for some, some crazy reason, where would your life be? Would you stumble down this dark path or would you have others that would be community? Maybe it's the church community uh, that would begin to step in and help you then thrive and move forward and give you hope for tomorrow. What if on a daily basis or a moment by moment basis, we did the next right thing we know we should do? So what if we began to look at life and our decisions and our relationships and our jobs, everything as a moment by moment, well, day by day, but moment by moment decision of what's the next right thing? The next right thing that God calls us to. Because that's the last few verses there, or the last verse in 17. He says, if you know the good you ought to do and you don't do it, you're missing the mark. You're missing the point of all of this. That when you know what you should do, step into that. And so what would our world look like if we all stepped into that? Ecclesiastes is a beautiful book in the Old Testament that I think reminds us and echoes the same sentiment that James has. It says... In Ecclesiastes chapter 1, if you want to dig into it. These are the words of the teacher, the son of David, king of Jerusalem. Teacher, life is fleeting. Life is a passing mist. It is like trying to catch hold of a breath. 
All vanishes like a vapor. Everything is great vanity. That it's all so temporary. That everything that we experience, everything that we drive for and thrive for, it's all a mist. So why not invest in the things that truly matter? Going back and thinking through that relationship I had with that student 15 years ago, could I have made decisions? Could I have led them towards the right environment, a counseling environment, a support system that after they graduated, had someone discipled me and taught me kind of this bigger picture. I think that's what time does is it teaches us kind of a, um, these lessons that we can only learn, I think, from looking back on these things. But uh, could I have done more? Could I have invested on a daily basis in a way that said, I'm going to set you up for success for your future so that you can dream big, so that you can move towards what God is cult- ultimately calling you to and save save that person from the destruction, from the decisions that, are, that can be so damaging. Why not pursue what matters most? Why, why not live into this daily, moment by moment, doing what is right in the moment? And this isn't just like give up all fun things. Like we can be doing the things that we do. It's just how do we do that in a way that's thriving towards others and these conversations that we have or how we handle conflict, how we handle conversation. Uh, all of these things, all of life can be saturated with what's the next right thing towards my neighbor, towards my friend, towards my family member? How can I begin to invest in others? Sometimes the mentality can be that someday I will do this. Someday I will have the time to invest in a person's life. Someday I will have the resources to begin to help somebody. But really, if we go back to that family unit perspective, that if a family unit is thriving, that that's going to have an impact. There's going to be a ripple effect to the people that are just outside of that circle, the relationships that are uh, just one step removed from that immediate family circle. And that will have an impact. So to say that I need to do something big, it needs to be something far off later, I need to do a fundraiser, I need to do some kind of like massive mission trip, whatever, fill in your blank. There's always some kind of excuse to like why we should go beyond big out there somewhere and not just start with today. Uh, As Mother Teresa often shared, we can do no great things, only small things with great love, right? And I think that simplicity will have an impact. And I, I know, I hope this isn't overly simplifying or saying something you've already heard that just kind of goes in one ear and out the other, but this I truly believe has impact. And our world tells us the kingdom that is contrary to the Jesus that rides in on a donkey with humility, the world out there says it has to be big, powerful, it has to have a show, it has to have an amazing website, beautiful editing, an amazing campus, big trucks, whatever it is, like it has to have resources all behind it in order to impact people's lives. But when you look at the issues in your community and the issues that are around you, it starts with you and I. And I know that it's, again, it's gonna sound overly simplistic, but it really does start with you and I making these small steps. Paul understood this beautifully. He says in Philippians 3, he says, not that I have already obtained all of this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind 
and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize of God's heavenly calling in Christ Jesus. I press on. I forget about the past and what I've done wrong and the the regrets of the things that I should have done differently, the ways I should have spoken and invested in people's lives. I forget about that. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to press on towards winning the prize. I'm going to press on to recognizing that today there might be somebody that I can impact that will truly transform them for eternity. Jesus called his disciples to this on a daily basis, a continual investing in one another, investing in relationship, investing in the relationship with God. So this having the vertical relationship correct, which transforms our identity and then helping others, like moving towards helping others in the lateral, the horizontal relationship with other people that we begin to invest in people's lives that begins to transform God's kingdom forever. He closes with, if you know the good you ought to do and don't do it, he says you sin. And I know that's a heavy call at the very end to talk about the sin, but the sin is what we have to talk about because it's not in a way to condemn or make you feel guilty or judge you for what you've not done. But what it is doing is it's pointing out what are the things that are destructive? What are the things that are damaging? The things that break your heart in this world that you see and go, I want to see that end. I don't want to see this anymore. That's what he's calling us to. That that's what sin, when we begin to remove that sin, that's what begins to bring new life. And that's what we celebrate at Easter. That's what we're, we're looking forward to and what we continually day by day surrender to. But our actions matter and it's going to have an impact on others. And so if our actions are centered around the sin, the old life, that's going to be destructive. That's just going to perpetuate the kind of things that we don't want to see anymore. But what Jesus says is we want to have an impact. We want to begin to transform life. Thinking about that student. Had I equipped, had I invested, had I like maybe had the, my blinders taken off, maybe had I taken the focus off of myself and more onto others, had I had the ability or the, um, the, uh, the impact to transform this person's life for forever, for eternity, right? But really looking into like young adulthood to how they transition into life. And so um, thinking back, moving into an action step. If you know the good and you don't do it, he says you're, you're missing the point. You're, you're, you're perpetuating the destruction that we see. And so ultimately I wanna ask a few questions that might help us move forward in this. So first of all, what is God calling you to do today, right now? What is God calling you to do? Not the giant, big, massive thing. It's okay to dream and have goals and, and try and move towards things, but what is the thing that God's calling you to do to be obedient in right now? Maybe the better question is, what do you want to be remembered for? Or what if you were known for the last conversation you had with somebody or how you treated someone? Would that change how you live your life? If you understood that life is but a vapor that is so temporary, would it change the way that you speak? Would it change the way that you treat people? Certainly back to the initial conversation about the pandemic in this last year and things we're learning, learning to live day by day. Um, Now that things are opening back up, things are starting to move in the direction of 
being able to have the freedoms that we had before, what will you fill your schedule with daily? What are you going to fill your schedule with? Who are the people that you're going to spend time with at meals? Who are the people that you're going to invest in, in your hobbies, your sports, your free time, your job? Um, who are the, how are you going to interact with those people on a day to day basis? So closing, if you know the good you ought to do and you don't do it, I'd say you're missing out on opportunity for transformation in your life as well as other people's lives. So James calls us again to this action. He's all about action. <laughs> I don't get the sense that James was very lazy, that he was constantly just seeing what Jesus does to transform lives and participating and moving forward in that. And so let's go live into that today. Grace and peace to you. Rejoice in knowing that we never walk alone. Know the grace and peace of Christ walking beside us, guiding and protecting us. Share this comfort with one another and feel his presence each moment of each day. Amen.